Just over 24 hours after Diana had been killed, mourners had left a tsunami of blooms, teddy bears, and cards in front of her Kensington Palace home. It quickly got to the point where palace guards had to find a different way to enter the grounds as the main gate was completely obstructed. Over the next week and a half, more than 12 tons of bouquets would be left in her honor. Down the street at St. James Palace, where Diana's coffin, draped in the royal standard flag, had been delivered as 19 million viewers watched on TV, mourners waited up to 11 hours to sign condolence books. Throughout London, citizens wept openly in the streets. Meanwhile, Queen Elizabeth II remained silent and in absentia, holed up 500 miles away at Balmoral Castle in Scotland. After days of this, the citizens grew weary. Why wasn't the Union Jack outside Buckingham Palace flying at half-mast? Why hadn't their queen uttered a word? Shamed by the press and the public for being cold and callous, the royal family had a crisis on its hands. Finally, it was announced that the flag would be lowered for Diana's funeral on September 6th. On September 5th, six days after the death of her former daughter-in-law, Queen Elizabeth spoke to a heartbroken nation. Her first live televised speech in nearly four decades. Quote, what I say to you now, as your queen and as a grandmother, I say from my heart, I want to pay tribute to Diana myself. She was an exceptional and gifted human being. In good times and bad, she never lost her capacity to smile and laugh, nor to inspire others with her warmth and kindness. Ironic, isn't it, that the queen someone celebrated for not showing warmth and kindness in public, should use those words to describe Diana, who devoted her life to showing warmth and kindness to the world and putting, for the first time, a human face on the British monarchy. While Diana's many demonstrations of that warmth and kindness obviously embarrassed, irritated, angered, and outraged the royals, there was one particular humanitarian campaign of the People's Princess that attracted attention from outside the British Isles, from the excited states of America, to be exact. But not, as you might imagine, from its people, who, like the Brits, generally adored Diana. No, this attention came from the same blue meanies that previously employed a guy named Edward Snowden. You remember him, right? The guy who said, quote, some spying is necessary, but no one needs to know the credit card numbers of every grandmother in Kansas. End quote. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm referring to the NSA, often and accurately referred to as the National Spy Agency. And why would they be interested in the People's Princess, you ask? Did they care she was pissing off the Windsors? Did they care she might marry Dodi Faid? Did they care she might be pregnant? The answer, of course, is a resounding no. The NSA were interested in, wait, no, make that, obsessed with Diana's campaign against landmines. Why were they anti-humanitarian? Possibly, but their core motive was the GNP, the gross national product of the USA.